So, Thomas Colster, founder of Goodvertising, author, speaker, and general sustainability pro. Welcome to the Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. It's great to have you here. No, likewise, Michelle and, and, and Gemma, and, and to all the viewers, because this is audio, you can't see it. Actually, both Michelle and I are wearing yoga pants. <laughs> so you're missing out on something very important here today. Just a little, just a, just, just a little cliffhanger. Yeah, we are all limbered up and ready for lots of conversation, that's for sure. So do you want to start, Thomas, giving us a little bit of an introduction to you, Goodvertising, uh, how it all got started? Because I know you've been in this space for a long time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think in, in some aspects we're on, 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 on quite a like-minded mission because when I was, I think it was around 29, 30 or something, I was working agency side as a copywriter. And we were hosting the Climate Summit in Copenhagen, uh, COP15. Back then, we had Tony Blair, we had Barack Obama. And obviously, me being a Dane, I was incredibly proud and had high expectations of an outcome. And sort of, as we all know, uh, happened. Nothing really <laughs> came, came out of that. And, and I think I was, I was at a time, you know, I've been working at the time for eight or nine years or so. And, and I sort of felt not that value aligned. I was like, what am I actually doing with my creative talent? I, I thought I was wasting it. So I asked myself, you know, sort of the question you ask yourself in this podcast, you know, what can I do with the skill set that I have? I'm passionate about creativity. I have this belief that, wait a moment, maybe all these brands touching people's lives on a daily basis, uh, maybe that can be used for something better. And that was sort of the beginning of my first book uh, called Goodvertising. And, and it was sort of like uh, me being 30, being frustrated and, and sort of wanted to write that and put it out there. Um, so that was sort of the beginning of my, uh, of my journey and, and some of the questions I started asking myself back then. Fantastic. And of course, that is, you've, you've stayed in that space. You've continued. You've, you've, recently published another book, um, which we'll, you know, we can talk about a little bit further. And you talk about building meaningful brand, don't you? Um, and the key steps to meaningful brand. So, I mean, we all as marketers are very focused on brand. And I, I don't think there would be a, an organization on the planet that says, oh, no, my brand isn't meaningful. But of course, yeah. there is a difference, right? Yeah, you know, I think I've over the years have, have changed quite a bit of you know, perspective, in fact. But, but I think also a lot have happened in this space, to be honest. I mean, I think we all remember sort of the early purpose pioneers like, you know, Body Shop and Ben and & Jerry's and Patagonia. And, 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 and so probably at one time I started thinking, you know, with all, with all these brands around, and especially today, I mean, you can basically not go into the supermarket with, without like every brand pitching itself as Messiahs or Mother Teresa, et cetera. So it's become a really, from being a space where there was very few people. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I did the research for the first book, it was actually difficult to find good examples of purposeful companies and purposeful commercials. I had access to the Canlines archive, to DNA D, you know, it wasn't that I was lacking, <laughs> you know, no. Uh, whereas today it's a completely different space. And one of the questions I then started to ask myself was, in fact, 
uh, and maybe you have an answer to this question. In fact, you know, what brand lead organization have in fact created positive change in my life? When they're all sort of pitching themselves as these heroes who have actually created change. And that's a really um, interesting question, yeah. isn't it? And, and one of the things that Michelle and I, we also talk about a lot is marketing, you know, when we talk about advertising, marketing has over, over time become seen as almost that end of funnel function where we advertise and we sell people stuff. You know, we ask um, a lot of questions around what is marketing and it's, oh, well, you market and advertise and sell people stuff. But actually you have to, you have to start, don't you, with your purpose and why you exist as an organization and build forward from that as opposed to build back. And I think certainly as you mentioned, talking about going into the supermarket and everybody is, is advertising you stuff. It's that, it's the absolute just general noise and sea of labels and, 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 you know, slogans and one lines and stuff. And I think that that's definitely causing all that noise is definitely taking away from you know, what is it, as you say, is the brand doing to drive meaningful change? And we've had lots of examples of organizations. You know, Tony's Chocoloni is yeah. absolutely a brand that is focused on, you know, eliminating um, child slavery. And their, their latest advert that I've seen all over LinkedIn is uh, made by adults, loved by kids, not the other way around. And, uh, but yeah. they've got a real authentic, meaningful story behind that and a real purpose. So I guess... It's such, 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 such an addictive chocolate, though. I mean, I, so I, I, every, every time I'm in Holland, I, I catch up with my good friend Inso at, at Tony Chocoloni, and he has this uh, bad slash good habit of always giving me 10 chocolate bars, but it's not really doing a lot of good stuff for my health. Uh, so back to the yoga pants. But, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I would just throw in there, I mean, I, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's these brands like Tony's Chocolate. I'm a big fan of who gives a crap. You know, the, the toilet roll subscription that 50% of their profits is going to sustainability, uh, it's going to sanitation. Um, and they tend to do a, a lot of good stuff. And, and the, their whole marketing narrative isn't really marketing narrative. They're just talking about what it is that they do. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. So I think your question, Thomas, about what, what has a brand done for me? How has, the, how has that changed me? Is actually a really important question when we're looking at who is successful and which brands deserve to be positioned as exemplars in this space, because it isn't about being a campaign, is it? And I think this is where sometimes it gets very muddied, particularly in the advertising world, that, you know, you could have a fantastic campaign, but actually, if you're not doing what you say you're doing, if it's not aligned with purpose, if it's not, if it's not, authentic narrative if it's not what I refer to as kind of getting the inside out warts and yeah. all then then it, it really is greenwashing and it's as simple as that yeah I think for me the the the, the thing you know going back to the question you asked around you know meaningful brands etc and yeah. aren't all brands meaningful I think they're not I think a lot of them have become confused bewildered in this space they didn't know what to do. They knew they sort of had to react. And, and so they sort of lost their way. I mean, they, they lost this idea about what role they fundamentally wanted to play in people's lives. It's been about great taste. It's about, oh, we've got a great personality as a brand. It's about, oh, we're great for people and planet. And, and so right now, what I talk about in the new book is, in fact, uh, what I call transformative brands. 
because I really do think that that's the proof point because, you know, everybody can say they're doing good. Everybody can kind of try to prove it through actions, et cetera, or, you know, by answering that big value question, why do we do what we do leading by values, which is extremely difficult as everybody is sort of, you know, saying, oh, look at us, we are yeah. a value-driven company. So the, 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 the ultimate proof point for me was, in fact, uh, who you could help people become. Could I actually feel the change? Did I feel that this brand made me healthier, smarter, more connected, greener, whatever it was? And, and so, so I think we all don't like these kind of purpose statements that's way too broad and aren't really leading an organization in a specific direction. Always say this. I mean, um, if you, Gemma, woke up this morning and, and, and you had like uh, at the end of your bed, like a sign saying, you know, do good for people and planet. I mean, what, what, what are you really going to do different? I mean, it's pretty broad, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pet the dog in front of the supermarket. Uh, so I really wanted to have a conversation about figuring out a clear role for uh, brands and leaders um, to play. And, and I think that's where, um, I think that's where change happens. I think, I, I, you know, so that's, that's a lot of the, the, the latest thinking in the, in the latest book, uh, The Hero Trap, in fact. And I think there is, you know, there, it is back to that question of what, what is the purpose of business, you know, and as we say, what, what is it the brands we interact with? It has to go as consumers beyond the product, doesn't it? So you can buy a chocolate bar or you can buy a new pair of shoes or you can buy something, um, but it's not just about buying that product and how that product makes you feel. I think as consumers, as society, as people, we have to look beyond that and see what those organizations are doing and make it our purpose to look at what those organizations are doing beyond that. So I, I only this morning went on Thrift Plus, which is a secondhand clothes site. They give 30 to 40% of what I pay to different charities. And now I'm changing how I'm buying clothes because I've gone in and had a look at that greater purpose and who can be doing more. It's not just about me buying new clothes. You know, It's about how do I to extend what I'm doing, what good I'm doing in my personal life into, into driving change. And I think there's some responsibility for consumers there, but the bigger piece has to come from the, the, the brands and the organizations. I think a lot of the change that I see that happens is that, and, and the reason why I actually, in fact, call the latest book, The Hero Trap, was that I started seeing purpose um, uh, not having the same effect uh, I saw the way that most organizations dealt with purpose because a lot of organizations start kind of do this sort of navel gazing, you know, why do we do what we do and all that stuff. And in fact, they forget all of us. Yeah. I mean, what, what drives me? Yeah. What, what, met, what makes me tick? What are some of the barriers that I have in my life that and challenges that that brand might help me overcome? And so I, I, I tried to kind of figure this space out. I looked to psychotherapy and coaching and I came up uh, with a model I call the arrow. Um, and the key question in that one is, in fact, who can you help people become? And it's a fundamentally different way of looking at leadership, because I think for me, at least the best leaders in my life have been the ones that helped me grow. Yeah. And, and so I can see a clear difference between the ones who take a typical purposeful approach. Uh, you know, we are, the, we are the ones that are in charge of the change 
versus the ones that take a transformative approach that look at Jim and Michelle and are like, wait a moment, you know, together we might be able to achieve this. So I'm actually one of the ones that, you know, go up against Patagonia, for example. I really do hate the purpose. Um, I think it's um, megalomanic and and uh, self-glorifying. I mean, we're in the business to save our home planet. I mean, really, <laughs> they 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 sell they sell T-shirts to people who are stuck in an apartment in London or Copenhagen and dream of a bit of greenery. Yes. It's it's way too wow, you know. I know. It, it's kind of like it's. It, I have the same challenge with Coca Cola. You know, I know they do great stuff, and I know they do have incredible campaigns and programs. But at the end of the day, they sell a sugary drink that you know <sighs> is aligned with obesity. So. It's, it's, but I suppose there is this challenge, Thomas, about, you know, rethinking business because, you know, Gemma and I are involved in the social enterprise, which is all about preventative health care, helping people to actually take care of themselves. And that does have, you know, that does very clearly answer how can you help me uh, become something else or improve myself or grow and develop. However, that is always kind of sat in the kind of social enterprise world, whereby those kind of cooperative social enterprise organizations that really have that meaningful purpose from the get-go, that really are looking to drive impact and, and almost behavioral change uh, into, into society, that hasn't traditionally come from the brands and the pro- that, that are, are basically their marketing product. And, and I suppose this is now where we've got this big challenge because it's almost dragging brands back to say, you know, you kind of have to rethink your business model. You have to rethink profitability. You have to rethink the impact that you have on your world. And, and what's interesting about what you said earlier, Thomas, is what's driving that is as you said, they're forgetting all about us. They're forgetting all about what makes us tick. Yeah. <laughs> they're forgetting about our views, our, our needs, our desires. And so that comes back to that fundamental relationship between marketing and the customer and marketing being the, the kind of custodian of the customer, the, the ears and eyes and almost like the critical friend, the um, not just critical friend, the actual friend of the customer to bring those insights back to the brand so that you can actually say, you know what, we can't do that. This is what people really think. This is what people really feel. This is how pissed off people really are, you know, with stuff that's going in the world. We need to do something. And, And that is, you know, there's not many marketers at the moment kind of challenging that. And that's and it's where people them. No, but it's, and it's incredibly important. I mean, you know, when you talk about preventive healthcare, for example, I mean, if, well, you know, the, the first book got provoked by, by COP15, right? My second book actually got provoked by my own inability to create change in my own life and in the business. I so often failed miserably at the end of the year when I looked at what I wanted to achieve, uh, where I wanted uh, the business to go, et cetera. And so I thought, wait a moment, it's difficult to create change. Yeah. And, and, and I think from, you know, preventive healthcare, you know, if you look at, for example, quitting cigarettes, I mean, you can have your loved ones telling you that, you know, 
please, you know, we love you, whatever, you know, the doctor can tell you, you can look at the cigarette pack and get appalled by the <laughs> strong imagery there. Yeah. Yet still, that is not make you going to change. Yeah. The only one who can create change is, in fact, ourselves. Yeah. And so I thought when we're talking about the wider uh, challenge and the urgency of creating change, I think we look at it the, the wrong way because I don't think that the companies can create any change. I can. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, the very premise is in fact wrong from the onset when we talk about purpose. And that's, you know, you can say when I talk about transformative brands, is that a purposeful brand? Yes, it is. I just felt that I had to kind of reframe it and really yeah. put change in there as the heart of what needs to happen right now uh, and the expectations that people have towards our industry and towards brands. Because quite frankly, I think we are at a point right now where um, if we as an industry don't act, I think we'll lose our, our license to operate. I think we'll be uh, chased out of town as people who are selling snake oil. Yeah. I mean, we already see now where advertising is being banned in certain categories, fast food, uh, cigarettes, alcohol, you know, our license to operate is we can't take that for given. So we have to respond. Yeah. And I, I think, think this, yeah. And I think this is where, um, you know, regulation needs to play its role as well. So we, we've got green claims code coming in from January 2022, which, you know, is, is asking organizations to to really, to ask themselves six things, you know, and then there will be, there'll be repercussions and there will be, you know, fines and, and all of those things that go with regulation. But I guess, do you think regulation is going to have the impact that it needs to have to help, you know, make us think differently? Because as you say, it's down to us thinking differently. I only commented this morning on LinkedIn that, you know, pledges, uh, open letters, all of these things. It's becoming a bit like New Year's resolutions, isn't it, sustainability? Like you can promise yourself you're going to go to the gym on, on January the 1st and you'll go for a month and then you stop. But there's no accountability, is there? So it is all becoming a bit New Year's resolution-like, it seems, if you read all of the things that are coming through. But what are your views on regulation? Yeah, I think you touched on something really you know, interesting. I mean, I, I feel obviously regulation have... Um, uh, a role to play, no doubt about it, in in, in driving change, uh, in in uh, getting industry to um, adapt change faster. That being said, though, I think if the whole sort of narrative is around responsibility, I think we won't succeed. I think we really have to have a positive framework yeah. where we talk about the possibilities, the the opportunities the meaningful growth that comes from this. So I think sometimes legislation can um, stifle that innovation yeah. and can sometimes disengage us. And, 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 and I, you know, I, I completely agree with you, Gemma, on the pledges. I, I often use this analogy when I do uh, keynotes uh, is in fact that, you know, and let's say after this uh, little podcast uh, thing here, I, I go upstairs and I catch my uh, girlfriend being together with another, another man. And obviously I get extremely upset. I'm like, what are you doing, honey? You know, and she's, you know, yeah, Thomas, you know, I'm sorry. 
But I promise you, towards 2030, I'm going to be a little bit less unfaithful each and every year yeah. until 2030 yeah. we fall it back together. Yeah. It's, it's that sort of, those pledges, I don't get them. No. Again, it's because business is stuck in this mentality of business on our terms. Yeah. Hell no. I have a choice. I go down to the supermarket. I see Unilever pledging something by 2030. I'm like, hell no. I'm not going to wait. No. I'm going to pick up this product because yeah. it's delivering right now. Right now. Yeah. And yeah. that that's a critical difference and 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 that is that is where and, and that comes down to education as well, doesn't it? That comes down to educating consumers so that they you, you, you know, they're not bamboozled by the messaging because you know we hear it all the time and and I have to say Gemma and I are relatively new to the sustainability landscape you know we're marketers and and it was only when we were writing sustainable marketing how to drive profits with purpose because we were getting you know increasingly upset disconcerted you know disillusioned with the profession that we thought you know we really need to take more responsibility about this that we then actually started to understand you know the labeling the mismessaging the yeah. all of that that is out there and it's totally you know permissible and that you start to think come on wake up and then we started to find brands and look for brands and you know it opens your eyes so you know, we do have a manifesto and one could say, okay, here's another manifesto for marketers. It's a Hippocratic oath. But one of the critical things when we put that together, we said, you know, it's not enough just to say, this is the commitments. We want you to prove that you're doing something to these commitments. And we set a hundred points challenge and said, we need you to read stuff, do stuff, take action before we're happy to have you as part of our manifesto. So you can't just sign a pledge. You've actually got to put in quite a little bit of commitment and, and you know, the challenge that we have as humans is that we are inherently lazy. It takes, <laughs> it takes conflict, doesn't it? It takes, it takes real, I mean, I've been reading a lot about Darwinism and, and nothing evolves, nothing grows, nothing changes without challenge, without, you know, enforcement almost, you know, with that friction that has to, we have to now take, take um, action. And, and it's, it's a sad state of affairs to think that whilst we've got this fantastic opportunity of this small window to reverse some of the ills in the world that, you know, we as humans have created, not many people are still aware. So I do think that it is going to take these catastrophes to actually make brands and organisations and individuals, we as consumers, citizens, people, understand the, the you know, the severity of what needs to shift because we're lazy. I, I completely agree. And I, I think there is finally uh, a lot of this conversation uh, are kind of being had, uh, you know, CMOs, C-suite, because, you know, a decade ago, you know, when the first book came out, Nobody cared about it in advertising. Yeah. I mean, nobody, to be honest. It was a lot of sustainability folks who picked up the book first. And, and so I think we, we are much more evolved right now in, in terms of uh, the challenge ahead. And, 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 and for me, obviously, what I'm super interested in is, of course, understanding what drives that change and how it does that successfully as marketeers. And, because in my early years, one of the things I always said that if you do good for people and planet, it's good for brand and bottom line, right? And 
And so that's also been one of the things I've been, been, you know, trying to understand through all these years. And, and the thing I actually figured out with this sort of new transformative narrative was in fact that when you take a transformative approach in your advertising, um, on average, people are 29.6% more motivated compared to purposeful commercials. And people are on average 29.4% more willing to pay a premium price. Okay. And for me, that was uh, a really key uh, in understanding what might need to happen right now. Because I think we all talked about this purpose gap between intent and action. We know people are lazy. We know there's a lack of education. Uh, and it's tough. I mean, even for yeah. me, you're in, you're, you're in a retail environment. Uh, you're looking at a shelf, there's like tons of cleaning products, there are new labels, some are green, some are even have like a little farm on it and, and, and you know, uh, have green grass and a jungle or whatever. I yeah. mean, and, and you have to make a choice. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as you say, advertising, labeling, messaging is all very influential. We know it's very influential. I mean, look, at, we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't as influential. But where are the exemplars in your industry in your view like uh, who is actually making that change um within the ad industry do you think what i started doing when i began the research was i really i really wanted to cover the whole ecosystem uh you know the small brands uh the big global multinationals because i think the change is, is sort of is sort of the same from both parties but it's different and, and so, for example, I interviewed a small Canadian sports retailer called Respect Your Universe. And I really liked the way they looked at their customers. Because quite often when I go into a sports retailer, I mean, paddleboard is becoming popular, right? So, you know, you want to start playing paddleboard. You go in there and I almost feel like, intimidated by this super fit guy who's like, you know, all there and all these terms and stuff. And I, you know, I don't get it. And whereas respect to universe just figured out why isn't there a sports retailer for ordinary people? And, and what they're there for is no matter what your goals are in life or in sports, we're there. When you go into a respect your universe, you're not being met by this kind of, super fit guy with a six pack, you're being met by ordinary people. And you don't have to feel bad about buying a pair of running shoes because you want to walk along the Thames or whatever, you know, rocks your boat. And so for me, that's a good example. And and they live it through the products and services. I mean, they, um, in a time where brick and mortar stores are failing, they opened up uh, the store as a community gym so if, if, yeah, no, so if you, Jim, are like, you know, I'm passionate about kickboxing and you get enough people to, in your community to sign up, you borrow the space for free. Stuff like that, I think fundamentally are changing uh, how you view purpose and how you deliver back um, on purpose. Um, and, but, but even, I mean, if we look at um, even big, big, Brands like P&G and some of the changes they have made, I think is inspiring. I mean, I've, I've always liked the, you know, always like a girl case and some of the stuff they've done. Yeah. Uh, it focuses on change, even though that Gillette got a lot of heat. 
I think they also dared to take up a conversation. They didn't go out and say, hey, look at us, we're super diverse. No, they said, maybe it's about time we have a conversation around toxic masculinity. Yeah. So move from the best a man can get to the best a man can be. Yeah. And 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 having the CEO defending that on primetime TV. Yeah. And standing behind that, I think for me is important. And it shows that if if marketers want to, they can, but they just need to be really careful on not putting on uh a hero's cape and and playing superheroes that really need to kind of empower and enable all of us. Yeah. Brilliant. So that leads us beautifully into the quick fire questions, Thomas, that we love to ask every single one of our guests. And the first one is that question that we, that we pose. It is the title of our, our podcast. In your view, Thomas, can marketing save the planet? No way, but uh, the good news is that uh, Gemma and Michelle and Thomas can and all of all the listeners <laughs> yeah. can. So that's the narrative we need to change. Yeah, love that. Fantastic. And, and what do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? I'm an optimist. I, I really am. Uh, I see a lot of, uh, a lot of innovation uh, happening in the impact space, uh, a lot of investment uh, in, in green energy, in, in uh, a lot of shift happening in finance. So I do think we will see a much more, um, I don't know, like to throw the word sustainable out there, but at least a, a better version of what we're seeing right now, a less damaging way of doing business that we're seeing right now. So I'm optimistic. Uh, I, I do believe that even though we are lazy, uh, sometimes when we're lying there on the couch and, uh, Eating our our Tony Sugaloni, I think we're also inventive, and and that's uh, that's that's my life by for humanity. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you know we need to hear a lot more about the progress that's being made. So I think you know the headlines around the doom and gloom and the, the you know the current trajectory aren't helping. We do need that bit of light and hope to be constantly powered, which is why I guess we do what we do, all of us here. So our final question is, if you were to give one piece of advice to others around getting started with sustainable advertising, what would it be? Just do it. Honestly, you might fail miserably, but you'll also learn. I, you know, and it comes back to my early days in, in advertising, in fact, that I remember that I was a worse creative because I didn't dare to take risks. Mm. I think if you work in marketing and you don't dare to take risks, you might as well take a job in a bank. Because it's it's a risky job, and that's also what makes it super exciting. And I know, yes, you're afraid of being on the front cover of Ad Aids and done that Pepsi ad word, right, with Kennel. That's obviously the fear. But the 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 champions that I have seen in this space, I mean, marketeers who stood up, changed the brand in a more purposeful, transformative direction and have gone on to have some pretty successful careers by doing so, you know, I, I think that's worthwhile. So I think we, 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 need to be, we need to be bold and I think we need to not be, you know, afraid of the risks involved. And I think it, it, it comes back to what you're saying, Gemma, that this whole space, I just absolutely hate the narrative. This doom and gloom, I, I don't even like the purest narrative right now, no. where whatever we're doing at the moment, it's not good enough. Yeah. 
you know, if I say X, Y, Z, I suddenly have the, you know, the, the climate inquisition or the diversity inquisition coming there and trying to flock me or kill me or whatever they want to do. It's not good. It's counterproductive. I think for me, I hate brand activism for the very same reason, because my belief in sustainability is that it should be an inclusive movement, not an exclusive movement. It shouldn't be defined by the few and purest, but but the many of us who fail on a daily basis. Yeah. And I say that all the time. I fail constantly yeah. in living a more sustainable Absolutely. life. Sorry. We all do. We <laughs> all do. <laughs> we all do. But we're trying. We it's in the it's in it's there and it's pushing forward. There was a brilliant report I just read actually that that it kind of aligns with that. I think it's called Sell the Sizzle by Futura. And and what they talk about is you know, that narrative of the doom and gloom and the, 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 you know, what people are missing is, as you said earlier, Thomas, this opportunity, and it's not just commercial opportunity. Yes, there is commercial opportunity. There's lots of opportunity for industries, for sectors, for new, for new roles, all sorts of, you know, innovations, et cetera. But he said, you know, for this opportunity, and I suppose it's, you know, it aligns with your, with your book um, and the title of your book is this opportunity to, be a bit more visionary about what could it look like? You know, what could our futures look like? Don't talk about the doom and gloom about this is where we are. Look about, you know, if we got everybody together, you know, it made me start thinking if we got 10.6 million marketers on the planet, refuse standing up, taking that risk, having the courage to actually really make a difference. What could that look like? So you don't sell the sign up for the manifesto and wouldn't it be, you know, you're looking at, look at the impact that could actually have. And that's, that's a real shift in thinking it's it's a little bit courageous in in implementation, but wow, does it actually start to get you thinking differently? And it can do nothing more but give you a more hopeful narrative uh, and an all energized narrative because because you're looking forwards, not just looking where we are now. Looking forwards positively with impact. Uh, I completely agree, and it, it, it again it it goes back to changing behaviors, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if. So this is an interesting thing when, when um, an example of a brand that actually played a, a positive role in my life has been, has been Nike. I think they motivated me sometimes when I, when I, why, when I, when I didn't feel like running, et cetera. Uh, but at one point I used the Nike plus and, and, and it was interesting to see that at a certain point it was counterproductive because it, it measures how far I run and, if I approve my running from, you know, a week or whatever, and I actually figured out that it was not for me. Yeah. Because I run to relax. Yes. I run off obviously also to stay fit. But for me, I'm not championing. I don't want to champion my last time. No. I run because I want to clear my head. Yeah. And 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 so so in so many aspects it, it's like they their 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 roles for us to play. But but the thing that demotivated me about the doom and gloom was I felt bad about fuel ban kind of doing like, Oh, you, you didn't beat your last time. Yeah. You, you did. You didn't do it this time. And yeah. I was like, Hey, wait a moment. Yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah. what I signed that's what, up for. That's what I'm in for. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Say, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know it is. It's this, there's, there's a lot of, of, of 
pros and cons, isn't there? You know, all the time, that funny balance. But it's been an absolute pleasure, Thomas, speaking with you. I feel we could go on and on and on. And uh, there's so much there. No doubt we'd love to have you back on the podcast once your, um, you know, once your book is out and you've got something else to, that you'd like to share with us and, and discuss. We'd love to keep that conversation going. Thank you so much, Tim and Michelle. And, and I think that's exactly the importance of a podcast. It is to have, have these really, really important conversations and hopefully to inspire people to have a little bit more courage and not pit themselves with the heroes, but make each and every one of us the heroes in our own lives. Yeah, that's right. going to be the Fantastic. <laughs>